In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. We are the people of God known as the church. We are the people who have believed on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ in his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his coming again. And it's as the people of God that we hold out hope in this world that Jesus is Lord and the dark powers of this world aren't. Sometimes it's difficult to believe that, especially when we are still practicing podcast worship instead of in-person worship as a way of loving our neighbors and preventing the spread of this awful virus that is sweeping through our country. But nonetheless, we live as people who know that there is a deeper reality than COVID, a deeper reality than the darkness that seems to reign our world sometimes, because we know that Jesus is Lord, and whatever we do, wherever we go, we are recognizing that lordship and the presence of our Lord in every place, even the places where the presence of Jesus isn't recognized. We are glad you are worshiping with us this morning, and if you have any prayer requests or concerns or if you need help with anything, please give the church office a phone call. Uh, or you can email us, and we will be glad to, to get back in touch with you. Also, if you know somebody who is unable to listen uh, via any of the podcast websites or apps where our podcast is being streamed, and they would need a CD mailed to them, please let us know that as well. You can get in touch with the church office, and we would be happy to make sure uh, that they can get CDs, uh, and we may even be able to help them out with a CD player as well. Again, we are glad that you are worshiping with us this morning. And wherever you are, however you're listening, whatever podcast platform or device you're using, it doesn't matter because the name of our Lord Jesus Christ is being lifted up and praised by all of us listening this morning. And that is what's important. shepherd I shall not want in green pastures he makes me lie down he restores my soul and leads me on for his name for his great name surely goodness surely mercy right beside me all my days and i will dwell in your house forever and bless your holy name you prepare a table right before me in the presence of my enemies 
Though the arrow flies And the terror of night is at my door I'll trust you, Lord Surely goodness Surely mercy Right beside me all my days And I will dwell in your house forever And bless your holy name Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death You are on my side Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death you are on my side Surely goodness Surely mercy Right beside me All my days And I will dwell in Your house forever And bless your holy name and I will dwell in your house forever and bless your holy name Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, you are God before and God behind. God for us and God for your own self. Maker of heaven and earth, creator of sea and sky, governor of day and night. We give thanks for your ordered gift of life to us, for the rhythms that reassure, for the equilibriums that sustain, for the reliabilities that curb our anxieties. We treasure from you days to work and nights to rest. We cherish from you days to control and nights to yield. We savor from you days to plan and nights to dream. And Lord, we have many prayer requests in our church. We pray for the people that may be recovering from addiction but are struggling because their support group doesn't meet 
And Lord, I pray that when temptation comes and they feel they need to revert back into their old habits, that they will reach out to the support person in their group. We also pray for people whose income still has not recovered. There are many who have lost their jobs. There are businesses that have closed. And they don't know how they're going to make ends meet. And Lord, if they know you, I hope they turn to you, Lord, because you have the next plan for them. So help them to rely on the Holy Spirit as they determine as you determine the direction in which they should go. We also pray for those whose mental health is worsened by the uncertainty of the times that we live in. Unfortunately, during times of seclusion like this, depression worsens, and unfortunately, suicide is increased. And Lord, if we know somebody that's in that situation, I hope we reach out and we give them a word of encouragement. We can pray for them. We can lift them up. We pray for those who are working for peace and justice in the world in the name of Jesus. There are many who are in the world doing that. It is not sometimes a safe place to be. And so, Lord, I ask that you place a hedge of protection around them as they take the name of Jesus. This is not a popular thing right now. But, Lord, help us to remain strong in our faith and to do what your word has told us to do. I also pray for the continued work and witness of our hope food pantries in the Oregon City. I thank you that we're able to meet the needs of those in our neighborhood by being able to feed them. And I ask for the people who are the leaders of these pantries that you would bless them. Lord, I pray for our congregation. I pray for all those who have reached out to their fellow church members and have given words of encouragement. And I hope that we continue to do that. I pray for those who are ill. I pray for those who have relationship difficulties. I pray for you. I pray for those who have people they're concerned about, neighbors, relatives. And Lord, you know what each prayer request is. And you have a plan in place. I ask that their faith remain strong. I pray for those who are recovering from surgery. I ask to be with them and that their recovery be successful. I pray for our young church. I pray for the young people. They have many prayer needs. And this is a a world where they just don't quite know what's going to happen. And I ask that those who know you will put their faith and trust in you that you would lead them in what they are to do. And Lord, I pray for the salvation of those who do not know you. What better time than now to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ?
And we who do know him can be a testimony to them, can be a witness to them. And as I wrap up this prayer, I would like to do so with these words. Be our day and our night, our heaven and our earth, our sea and our sky, and in the end, our true home. And Lord, as we record this podcast, I pray for our pastor as he brings the message today, as he continues to talk about um, the love of God and loving those who are different than we are. And as always, whoever listens to this podcast, I pray that they will be blessed by that. In your precious name, amen. Hear the word of the Lord. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Then you can take him away under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. The soldiers took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters and called out the entire regiment. They dressed him in a purple robe and they wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. Then they saluted him and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him on the head with a reed stick, spit on him, and dropped to their knees in mock worship. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. If you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey that has strayed away, take it back to its owner. If you see that the donkey of someone who hates you has collapsed under its load, do not walk by. Instead, stop and help. A passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then. The soldiers grabbed him and forced him to carry Jesus' cross. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. The soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, 
offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. The crowd watched, and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself is really God's Messiah, the Chosen One, they said. Let him save himself. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. They called out to him, If you are king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Then Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Scripture... (laughs) Our scripture for the morning comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Again, that's Luke 10, 25 through 37, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead by the side of the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, 
the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think of this passage every time I drive past somebody who's broken down on the side of the road. I can't help it. It just pops into my mind, and then the guilt washes over me. And the guilt washes over me because I want to help. I see somebody struggling, and, and I want to help them. But I also know that I have zero knowledge of what to do about cars unless they happen to be pulled over on the side of the road because they are out of windshield wiper fluid. And I even screwed that up one time. So there's that. But also underneath, I would be lying if I, if I didn't confess that there was a small amount of concern for my personal safety. You don't know who's in the car. You're always trying to be cautious. And it's not out of ill will. It's just, uh, I don't know. And so I usually soothe my soul by saying, well, most everybody's got a cell phone these days. They're probably fine. And I go about my business. The past few weeks, we've been talking about love. And we started off by talking about loving others. And last week, we talked about the love of God. And this week, we're talking about loving our enemies. And you you would think this would be kind of rolled up in loving others. But when we talk about loving others, sometimes we get on the, the, the kind of mindset that we're talking about people that we know or other followers of Jesus, which is fine. We need to learn how to love people because I don't think as, as human beings, um, particularly human beings who are living at, at this po- moment in history, that we have the healthiest view of love. You know, love is a word that's that's used in marketing. Love is a word that's used at holidays. Uh, Love is a word that's used at weddings. Um, And then when people decide to divorce, they say they're not in love anymore. And so that's, love kind of gets battered around. But when we talk about loving our enemy, we have to talk about the word other in a different context. Because we have a tendency to create others. And by others, I mean this. We look at, we pick some sort of broader theme or issue or idea that we hold in one particular way and that somebody else holds in a different way. And then that person who holds it in a different way suddenly becomes our enemy when we focus on the difference rather than the person. But we've held this idea and we've made this kind of a a banner for who we are and our beliefs about the world. And this person, this other person, believes differently. 
And so if we want to keep holding that banner high, then we turn that person into an enemy. And everything about them is defined not by their humanity, but by that difference. And there are people, there are other ways that we make enemies as well. You know, we, we, when we are in community with people, if you don't disagree with somebody at some point, then, then you probably are not that close with the person. Because if you just maintain a superficial relationship, you're not going to disagree about a ton. You might disagree about little things like whether Chicago deep dish pizza is far superior than that flat pancake that they serve in New York, which it is. Uh, you might disagree about that. You might disagree about sports. You might disagree about who knows what, but superficial things. Nothing that would ever like, cause you to actually be that angry with somebody enough that you can, cannot see past the disagreement. But social media has taken this idea of othering and put it on steroids. It has just beefed it up because now you can connect with all sorts of people who raise the same banner that you do and you can disagree, harass, and hate people who disagree with you from the comfort of your own home. You never have to look them in the eye. You never have to confront them face to face. You just get to kind of hurl insults at them. And even if you're not actively hurling insults, you can find all sorts of posts and articles and, and memes and pictures that support your viewpoint, and you can post those all day long as a way of saying, this is who I am. If you're not for me, you're against me, and that's another way of making enemies, and we don't think about it that way, but it is. Because any time we prioritize an issue or an idea over people, we get in trouble. Any time we make our faith and our identity as followers of Jesus as about being about something other than Jesus, then it's a great way to make enemies. And the fundamental problem behind all of it is a lack of compassion. In our story today, in, in, in hearing this interaction between Jesus and a teacher of the law, we know, we know what the teacher of the law thinks. He said... He wants to know how can he belong in the age to come, that when, when God returns and establishes his kingdom on earth and, and it will, he will reign over his people forever, how can he be part of this new life? And Jesus says, well, what do you think you need to do? And the guy says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. I'm 
shortening that, but that's what he says. And Jesus says, well done. You know, you've done your, your research. But then the guy wants to get let off the hook. And we all want to get let off the hook. That's why I tell myself, they probably have a cell phone. They probably have somebody that he can call when I, when I drive past cars that are broken down on the side of the road. We all want let off the hook. So he says, now, now just, just who is my neighbor? And Jesus answers him with a brilliant story. Because there's a man who's traveled this road from Jerusalem towards Jericho. And the road from Jerusalem to Jericho is hilly, it is narrow, it has twists and turns, and in this hilly, narrow, twisty-turny road, there were numerous abundant opportunities to be robbed. Travel then was more treacherous than travel is now. And so this, this Jewish man is traveling down this road, and three different people come by. And the story makes distinctions about, about who these people are. And if, we're, if you want to read it as a story of, of that these people's roles should have compelled them to do something different, okay, but that's not where Jesus takes the story. The emphasis in the story is that the Samaritan had compassion while the two people, the two children of Israel, the two leaders of God's people, lacked compassion. Because the story of the Old Testament, the, the, the reigning narrative of the Old Testament is the idea of God showing compassion to his people and his people showing compassion to God, but showing compassion to others because of that. And these two leaders lack compassion. They don't stop. One of them doesn't stop to see what's going on. He just crosses the road and walks past, so he doesn't have to be anywhere near One person stops and looks and then walks on by. And here comes the Samaritan. Now, the Samaritans and the Jews did not get along. They were two rival groups, both who claimed Abraham, both who claimed Moses. But while the Israelites focused their worship in Jerusalem. The Samaritans focused their worship on Mount Gerizim. And there were all sorts of other differences. They read the, the law differently. They, it's, it's almost not worth getting into because there's so many differences. But they were always at odds. And just a chapter before this, Jesus starts out towards Jerusalem, goes through Samaria, and they ask him, they, they will not let him stay there for the night because he's Jewish and he's going to Jerusalem. So they've already established that 
there's friction here between the Jews and the Samaritans. And this particular Samaritan is not, there's nothing about his religious status, there's nothing about how holy he is. In fact, he's, he's most likely a merchant because uh, to have a donkey, to be riding on a donkey, to have oil and wine and bandages most likely meant that he was some sort of a, of a traveling merchant who was going from Samaria to Jericho, probably on business. The, the two leaders from the temple, on the other hand, were going from Jerusalem to Jericho, which tells us they'd finished up their worship, their, their duties in worship, and they were going somewhere else. And yet they still lacked compassion. Loving our enemies means embracing compassion instead of our differences. The first person who walks past, the man beaten, bloody, bruised, half dead, as the Bible so eloquently puts it, is a priest. And a concern for the priest may have been ritual purity. The idea that if he attends to this, this person and this person is dead, then if he has other priestly duties coming up, he may not be able to perform them if he's come in contact with a dead thing, with a dead body. And that may have been one concern that led him to this, the other side of the road. And sometimes, similarly, we get hung up on ritual purity as well. Sometimes we think if we give up these banners that we've we've created, these big beliefs that define who we are against who somebody else is, that we won't know who we are or that we won't be right somehow or that we won't be, we won't have an identity. But every time we cling to these banners, we give up on compassion. Because when we're defining people by differences instead of by their humanity, which is beautiful and blessed in the eyes of God, it just doesn't work out. When we're paying attention to differences, we don't see people. Messy compassion is what we're called to by Jesus. Loving our neighbor is not going to be an easy, tidy process. Because we may not know our neighbor. And we may be fine not knowing our neighbor. Because our neighbor may be, may, may be that, that neighbor in the neighborhood that has like an old car in their front yard. Or maybe they're the one that like plays their TV too loud. Our next door neighbor in our apartment complex... <clears throat> sometimes plays some sort of video game where there's shooting involved at a very high volume, but that's okay because I probably play my video games at too high of a volume at, at times as well. But loving neighbors is going to be a messy process. 
because they may not be like us, and there may be differences. But compassion is going to lead us past differences. Compassion is going to lead us to care for the state of humanity rather than our own rightness. Because we're not called to be right, we're called to be righteous. And to be righteous, we have to be people of compassion. And that means in real life and on social media and in conversations, we can't trade the banner of rightness for messy compassion. The next person that walks along is a temple attendant or a Levite. And Levites had a particular status in the temple. And they, they usually were, it was something that kind of was the family business. You, you know, if your, your dad was a Levite, you were a Levite, that, that you came by it honestly. And he comes across this dead body, half-dead body. Could be dead. He goes over to look. He has a gander at the fellow and then keeps on walking. Now, ritual purity could have been a concern for him as well. But he's a Levite. He, he is a temple attendant. This is, this is the tribe that was of Israel, of Jacob, that was dedicated to serving in the temple. And he had his status to maintain. And here again, he let his status override his call to compassion. And boy, if we don't ever do the same thing. We're afraid that if, if we don't keep holding this banner high, you know, whatever, whatever cause or, or rightness we have chosen, if we don't keep holding this banner high, then the people who are holding the banner up with us are going to sneer at us, or they're going to reject us, or suddenly we're going to be the enemy, the other. And so we, out of fear of rejection of our peers, keep holding the banner high. And we keep separating ourselves because we like this status. We like our standing. But we're called to abandon that in the name of compassion, in the name of love. Because as we, as we heard in, in the creative scripture reading for today, Jesus abandoned his status as the Son of God and allowed himself to be beaten bruised, bloodied, mocked, spat on, struck, and took all of the hatred, all of our hatred, and allowed it to nail him to the cross. And so when we think about our status, our standing, we give that up to love people. 
Because when I'm concerned about myself and how I look, I'm only going to love people when it looks good for me. I'm only going to love people when it's convenient. And that sort of love is, is not love. It's, it's this kind of syrupy emotion that when, when something terrible happens to somebody, we, we say nice things like thoughts and prayers, or, or we, we say, you know, if, if there's anything I can do for you, just let me know. And that way it, it lets us love while still not really inconveniencing us a whole lot. Because again, compassion is messy. And compassion involves us seeing the needs of others ahead of the needs of ourselves. And then you've got you've got the Samaritan. And the Samaritan could look and see it was a Jewish man and keep on going. Because he could have crossed to the other side. Just like the priest, just like the temple assistant. But he didn't. He stops and he gets off his donkey. Because up close compassion and love shown through action is what we are called to do for every person, for everyone we come in contact with. And it's easy to have long-distance enemies. When I keep somebody at arm's length or farther, because of differences, I don't take the opportunity to love that person. I don't take the opportunity to belong in community and in relationship with that person. And the farther away from, from you somebody is, the easier it is to make that person an enemy. The easier it, easier it is to cast hatred onto that person. That's why social media is so dangerous. Is because you can say, you can talk garbage and hatred and vile filth to people you don't even know. Because you're just a name on the screen. And you can post all sorts of, of hateful, vitriolic things that say, this is who I am, this is where I stand. But it separates you from other people and pushes others farther away. But that's not what the Samaritan does. And we have to think about the risk that the Samaritan takes to love this half-dead man. He stops, which stopping on the Jericho Road could mean that your bandit fodder immediately puts you at the opportunity for attack. He puts the man on his dog, he tends to his wounds, so he stops and takes time while he's stopped, tends to his wounds, puts him on a donkey, and takes him to an inn. 
And we assume that when you go to a hotel, that you go, you pay your money, you get the key, you go up to your room, you sleep for a night, you know, however long you're going to be in the hotel, you go, you get the receipt that you lose in your car, and then you drive home. And, and it's a safe process now, but it wasn't that way then. And innkeepers could take advantage of the people who were staying with them. But he takes this risk for the healing of this person. And he says, here's money now. And I'll check back in later and see if you need any more money. Which is a situation ripe for extortion. But the Samaritan assumes this risk because he saw somebody who is in need And instead of acting like an enemy, instead of acting like somebody who is at odds, somebody from a group of people who is at odds of the group of people that the man on the ground belonged to, he loved. He did the messy work of loving and showing compassion. We have to love our enemies because loving our enemies, putting down that banner of rightness and loving our enemies means recognizing the face of Jesus in our enemies. And if we can't do that, then we don't understand Jesus because it was Jesus who hung on the cross, who took the wrath and the hatred, and the bigotry, and the racism, and all of the vile, awful things that humanity can come up with, and he crucified it. He took it onto his own body, and he put it away. He put our selfishness, he put our greed, he put our concern for ourselves into his own body, and took it to the grave. And if we continue to allow all of those hateful things to separate us from another person, whether in front of us or on social media, then we don't understand Jesus. But yet Jesus loves us anyway. And if we can learn to love Jesus, then Jesus can help us to learn to love our enemies. But we have to stop creating enemies, and we have to start loving the ones we already have. grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace, God's 
Come now to the time for the Lord's table, and if you are listening to this podcast before 11.30 a.m. Pacific time on the 2nd of August 2020, we will be having a Zoom communion uh, at the beginning of our Zoom coffee hour, which begins at 11.30. The link to the Zoom is in your uh, Friday email, and it is different than the normal uh, Zoom um, link and, and information. So make sure you pay attention to that. If you, uh, if you do not have the Friday email or you have any questions about getting on the Zoom, you can email baptist.church at comcast.net um, or you can email us through the church website and we will be happy to get you uh, the information to join the Zoom. If you are unable to join us on the Zoom, uh, we will now celebrate the Lord's table uh, via podcast. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It is the table of communion with the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come to this table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more, you who have been here often and you who have not been for a long time, you who have tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed, come. It is Christ who invites us to meet him here. We proclaim to you a mystery. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ is coming again. Let us pray. Loving God, through your goodness, we have this bread and cup to offer, which has come forth from the earth and human hands have made. May we know your presence in the sharing so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us now, made one in Christ 
and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remembrance, in remembrance of me. And in remembrance of Jesus Christ, who is broken for our sins, to heal the barriers of enmity that we put between each other, take and eat this bread. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And looking back at what Christ did on the cross, and looking forward to a time when we will get to drink this cup with him in his eternal kingdom, we take and drink this cup. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let your continual mercy, O Lord, cleanse and defend your church. And because it cannot continue in safety without your help, protect and govern it always by your goodness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We thank you for joining us in worship today. We pray that as we have sung songs, as we have prayed prayers, as we have read the Word of God both in creative and traditional ways, and as the Word of God has been proclaimed to you, and as we have celebrated the Lord's table, that you would have known the presence of Jesus Christ and the peace that comes with his love and mercy. We'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for his prayer today. We'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our director of worship and youth, uh, for leading us in song and for playing behind uh, scripture readings and prayers. We'd like to thank Katie Witham for uh, her work in reading scripture this morning. We'd like to thank Gary Hunley and his wife, Doreen, for serving as audio engineers. And we would like to thank uh, everybody who participated in the creative reading of Scripture. Um, I just love the way that Scripture comes alive uh, and helps us to understand it better through that. Um, and we are grateful for God's Word and for the people who are willing to read it. And remember, as we go, love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor. Love your enemies, wear your mask, and wash your hands.